Welcome to Legacy Game Changer. Our mission is to help you save, make, and grow your income. I'm your host, Lynetta Rogers, accountant, tax preparer, certified money coach, insurance agent, and travel agent. Today, we'd like to welcome back Dr. Gregory Holmes as we discuss navigating some of the challenges of public education. Thanks for being on the show again, Dr. Holmes. And thank you, Zanetta, for having me. I look forward to today's podcast. So before we start, can you just give them a little background again? Sure. Um, as I said before, I have th- over 30 years in the public education. I've also served um, as an administrator in Baltimore City, as well as the District of Columbia Public Schools. And more recently, I endeavored very deeply into the special education process for public schools which gave me a variety of understandings that I didn't have before. And that actually led to some of what I wanted to talk about today, knowing that uh, a larger percentage each year of special education, uh, a larger percentage of students are being diagnosed as uh, having a special need. So I thought we would talk a little bit about some challenges in public education, which may or may not uh, impact special education, but it goes a very long way. So I, I hope that my experience in all of those things will help some of the parents based on what we shared today. Okay, so let's start off with, what are some of the challenges that parents may face regarding public education? Well, I, I have to say that when I hear that question, there's probably a long plethora of issues, but I wanted to narrow it down for the sake of our uh, time, and that would be achievement, safety and security, parental involvement, a new one, but not necessarily new to education, but providing a newer challenge is transportation, and finally, equity. Okay, so how important is achievement in public education? Let's start with that one. And I appreciate that because I would say that achievement really ranks very high when we talk about the purpose of public education. We may think more so now in the social order and socialization has its place, but the long, the actual goal for schools are for students to enter, enroll, and have high levels of achievement, which will lead to a variety of careers and pursuits beyond public school. But I think the first one would be achievement, and I say that because I think achievement is what many schools are measured by in terms of success and failure. And many students, uh, their levels of achievement are tested, monitored, reported, data is collected, and it can impact uh, whether a student will do or predict to some degree whether a student will do very well in careers as well as post uh, high school education. Well, parents send their children to school with the expectation that their children will be safe and secure. What are some examples or concerns the parents should consider? Wow, that's a, and when I think about that question, safety and security actually, I know I just said achievement, but I have to say that when a child and when children don't feel that they're safe and secure, they may not achieve very well. So. I know I said achievement is most important. That's why the students come to the schools. 
but it doesn't work very well when they come to achieve and they're not, they don't feel very safe and secure. So when I think about that, first and foremost, especially in the this uh, climate of school attacks and things of that nature, emergency evacuation should be a very important part of what a parent knows about a school's operation. Uh, background checks and protocols for the staff, especially coaches and support staff. We're seeing more and more now that although the school system may have a particular uh, approach to selecting or determining what staff is are appropriate for positions, background checks are becoming more and more um, necessary, not so much to probe and be a, to create an air of suspicion, but to make sure that individuals are screened properly before they're allowed to be in the presence of children. And I'm gonna say something that might throw a few parents off, but the quality and cleanliness of the entire school. How regular is the school sanitized? The air quality of the school? What is being done on an ongoing basis to determine airborne and surface-borne pathogens? These are examples of, though not very big, but can have a lot to do with the safety and security of a school. And then, of course, we really would ask a small but significant question now, with especially with schools being underserved because they don't have the schools are not fully staffed. Does the school have a full-time registered nurse? Now to save money, some districts are allowing certain people to serve in a slight capacity to provide first aid on an emergency basis. So if someone has a CPR certification, they may be qualified to provide some levels of first aid as, as a, on the basis of an emergency, but that does not mean that they are full, fully licensed nurses and that's what most schools should have. Then the other thing that happens, they'll have a full-time, I mean, they'll have a registered nurse, but that nurse will be required to service three schools, two schools. So they'll spend a couple hours in one school, have a lunch break or whatever, and be allowed time to transport, uh, to uh, move to, an, to travel to another school where they'll provide a little more time. Then they'll travel to maybe a third school. And it may only be that they'll have four schools and they spend a certain number of days at one school throughout the week. So these are things that uh, parents should be aware of, especially when we talk about safety and security. What about physical security and having a person there? Because you know we're having these problems with people getting shot and students getting shot now. So what about the physical security? Well, of course, uh, being in the state of Maryland, and there are other jurisdictions that are confronted with this as well, they've scaled back some of the requirements for school safety when it comes to personnel, especially when they're being considered as armed and are trained to deal with outside intruders. Many school systems now don't allow the school police to enter the building with firearms. But with a school not having metal detectors and things of that nature, 
and having, of course, served as a school administrator, students who are up to those little issues with handguns and weapons, they always look for ways to get them in the building. It's called a, um, we call in football, an uh, end around, where you don't go right through the defense, you go around it. So sometimes once a student is entered into a building, if a window is open, they'll take a string or something and lower the string and tie the weapon to the string, lift it up to the windows. All these things are being done by students now to arm themselves inside schools. Well, when the uh, personnel are not armed, that places them at risk, places the students at risk, and certainly places the, um, the staff, the, the principal, the teachers, the support staff, everyone is at risk when um, the ability to be armed and have an armed presence in the schools is minimized. So again, as a concerned parent, I would also make sure that you know whether the school police or school security are armed or not. That may be something you would need to know, especially when you walk into a building and you see that the entrance for the building is minimized in terms of security. All schools don't have metal detectors. Uh, you usually have to partition for them. It's a very costly measure for the school system as well as the school itself. And you have to make sure those metal detectors are monitored and working at all times. Now, what do you think? Our former president said that the, the teachers should be armed. What do you feel about that? I don't agree with that because, one, that's not the role of a teacher. I know that um, some people believe that the more the staff are armed, that serves as a deterrent. However, just as we talked about those background checks, we are not sure that we can check for the, the mental stability of staff on an ongoing basis. Just because someone is, uh, it has a background check and it's cleared, that doesn't mean that that person can handle a, uh, a firearm. If we were talking about perhaps training staff uh, on how to use a firearm, safety classes and things of that nature, I could consider that. But there's been no discussion about that. There, there seems to be a rush to judgment uh, to say, well, we need to have more people armed in the school. Well, I don't want to go back to the 1800s and the 1700s where it was considered regular for people to have firearms in all many locations in a small rural town. We're talking about public schools and urban centers where people may not have the mental capacity to even possess a firearm. We see more and more cases of that. So I'm not in favor of that per se, but I do know more measures need to be taken to ensure the safety of students, staff, and uh, even the parents when they visit the schools. We have to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with more information on the challenges of public education. Hello, this is Zanetta Rogers. Join me on Wednesday at 5 p.m. for my new podcast, Legacy Game Changers. Every Wednesday at 5 p.m., join me and we are talking about finance, education, and wealth building for you and your family to leave a legacy for your loved ones. Once again, that's Legacy Game Changers, Wednesday at 5 p.m. 
Have you put in place the tools and marketing strategies that will drive the revenue and growth outcomes for your business? Are you looking to expand your brand and image nationally and globally? Commercials, podcasting, graphics, and marketing support are just some of the ways we can dress up your business for prime time. We are EliteConversations.com. To learn more about us, check us out at EliteConversations.com, our website, email us at ecpodcastmedia at gmail.com, or call us at 301-900-5703. There are many people that need to know about the wonderful products and services you have to offer. Let Elite Conversations help you to get the word out. Okay, Dr. Gregory, I have another question. Most parents believe that they are involved in the education of their children. What are some strategies to help persons to measure their level of involvement? That's an excellent question, Zanetta, because I think parental involvement, that's probably one of the areas that we don't talk about a lot or, or is not discussed as fully as it should be, but I think it's a very essential and critical part of a child's development as well as an additional support system for the school's operations. Many school systems currently have electronic grades and attendance reporting. Parents should have access to daily, weekly, and even monthly and quarterly uh, access to the child's attendance, achievement. All of that should be what we consider transparent for parents now. Gone are the days where parents have to really rely on a child to bring a progress report home, to bring a report card home. The advance of technology and the merging of technology with data reporting allows parents to actually go online and check up on their child. Some schools even have real-time opportunities for parents to monitor their child from the computers in the classroom. So it doesn't even take a thing where they have to call in. They can actually see the child logged in on the computer in the classroom. So these things will help a parent to be able to say, well, I'm more involved in my child, child's education than, than in the previous era. I think the biggest thing, though, is not just being able to have that access. What does the parent do with that access? Now you can also make determinations is my child making the progress real time from week to week? It shouldn't be that you wait a whole month and find out that your child is failing. These things shouldn't happen any longer because you have to let technology work in your behalf. So I think that um, if we talk about a way to measure a parent's level of involvement, it's right at your fingertips in most cases. And if it isn't, I would say that the parents should be, parents should be fighting and uh, discussing, that should be an ongoing discussion to see about getting that type of access through technology. Okay, we're in 2022. Why is education equality a challenge for parents? Well, we, we used to hear the term equality, and of course we're familiar, some of us, with that Brown, that landmark case of Brown versus Board of Education and the, the desegregation of schools. But when we talk about equity, that's a little, that's like the cousin to equality to some degree. Equity 
if I could just quickly say, it has something to do with how schools are funded, how schools are operated, the uh, climate and culture of a school. All of those things are impacted by the equity of the school. So you can have, for example, a school that two schools are within a mile radius of each other or even less than that. However, one school won't have the challenges of heating and air conditioning, which we hear so often when the weather changes and gets very cold or becomes very hot. We see schools that it doesn't seem that it should be that way, but that's what's going on in many public schools where things just don't operate the same. You would think that the budgets would be distributed so equally that all of the schools would either have some of the same challenges or those challenges would be actively worked on to be eliminated over a course of years where now all of our schools, 98% of our schools, 99% of our schools have adequate heating, air conditioning, access to books, access to technology. But the fact is, equity has a lot to do with those lobbying efforts of that parent, teacher, administration, or organization. These types of um, what we call support groups can make demands on from the school board and from the school system that some schools, if you don't have a very strong parent-teacher organization, many things will fall back on the staff and the principal and the administrative team and those who support those schools. So I would think that equity should be worked on and approached very carefully. One, because I, you know, as a as a teacher years ago, I remember when I was teaching and I was a part of my selection as, as being hired, I was a part of a program in which they were hiring new teachers to teach reading and reading resource and remedial reading. Well, I thought that that was a great thing, but guess what, Zanetta? When I got the students' reading scores up, they took the funding away. Which for the life of me, I said, well, now, this grade, the grades are going to drop back down. They even told me that I was not going to be retained because the program no longer existed. It was just so happened, though, that additional an additional position was created to keep me on staff as a full-time certified teacher. But other than that, the programs that were designed to help, they take them away sometimes when the achievement, or as they say, when those uh, benchmarks are reached, they don't continue the funding. The funding then goes to another area. So when we talk about equity, it is very, very important that the parents get involved with that. It might be a bit of a pain and a bit of a struggle, but you don't want to be in a, have your children in a school where they're struggling to get materials, books, access to technology, and then right across the street, around the corner, two blocks away, the school looks almost like a college, and it could be an elementary or middle school. But because they have such great equity programs, they're being supplied with a plethora of support where other schools, because they don't have good equity connections, they're struggling. And it shouldn't be that way. But as a parent, if you're really targeting equity, you'll know what to look for because you'll see, one, what your child doesn't have, and two, you'll be able to look at those other neighboring schools, even if they're on a different level, and say, well, why is that school two blocks away, why do they all have access to these things and our school is uh, struggling? So equity is a very um, pivotal part 
of having a successful educational experience for children. So what do you think about those schools that had students on the routers, that like the one guy that was in jail, the other one that never came to school and he was in the top 10 of his class? So what do you think about that situation? Well, again, um, and, and this is in no way to discourage parents from being involved, or to indict those who, for whatever reason, as one parent on an interview on a um, television uh, news report, she said, well, I work um, several jobs to put, to um, support my family. I don't have the time to go to my school, son's school and visit and, and check up on him. Well, when it's like that, I have to say, you're going to get what you're going to get when you allow things to slip through the cracks. I can't tell a parent the best way to stay involved in a child's education, but I have to say that there are many teachers that I've experienced in which they are very lacking when it comes to supplying what I consider a sound education for the students in their classroom. So when a parent is not on top of that, the parent is, unfortunately, the child is going to suffer. So the end around for that is, one, and I'm going to say this, this is a, 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 a challenge to the students as well. I always enjoyed it when my students did their work, came to me with questions that put me, uh, that made me have to go back and do additional um, research and things of that nature. I enjoy that because they make me teach them better. I don't ever want to get to the point where mediocre, mediocrity is what is expected and then I give that and I begin to lower the standard. No, I always believe to raise the standard. But when you have students who come to school late because their parents are not making sure that they get to school on time, students who come to school unprepared, they don't have their supplies that they need, all of these things add to a teacher saying, well, why should I fight so hard to give them a quality education when there's so many of them that it doesn't really matter? But that's when you really have to knuckle down as parents and say, no, we do have to say we, the children matter. We do have to say we have to do better. And that requires that as parents, we monitor what goes on in the classroom. I mean, it's sorry that it's when time is running out for this um, podcast, but can you give us a, can you give us a closing remark about today's topic before we wrap up? Okay, sure. Just briefly, I think that parents must be active in the child's and their children's education. That is paramount, and it's, it's non-negotiable. But I will say that this activism should be in a meaningful and productive manner, not a shouting match, not an accusatory position. No, it should be very productive and definitely meaningful. And that means that it should also have a tone to it that benefits the child, it benefits the parent, and it definitely benefits the school. Um, so how can my audience reach you if they want more information? Well, I think to continue um, supporting your program, they should be contacting your podcast and any questions or inquiries that they have that they share with you. I'm sure that you will share them with me if they provide an opportunity or a way for us to contact them back. I think that would be most appropriate. 
right? But this has been Legacy Game Changer. If you need help with your finances, I can be reached at www.zanetta.rogers.com, or you can email me at legacygamechangers at gmail.com, or text me at 443-906-3882. Have a blessed day.